Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Jeff Sire, and with me today is Julie Keel. Hello. And Mike McPeak. Hi, everyone. And this week, we'll be covering the 2015 movie, Predestination. Before we even give them the synopsis, I would say if you haven't seen it, because this is a real spoiler kind of specific movie, stop this right now (laughs) and go and see it. Or else be aware that we are going to be talking about major plot points that could possibly ruin the film for you. So the synopsis from IMDb is for all for his f- <laughs> yeah, for his final assignment, a top temporal agent must pursue the one criminal that has eluded him throughout time. He, his the chase turns into a unique, surprising and mind-bending exploration of love, fate, identity, and time travel taboos. Well, so. it wasn't it wasn't just time travel taboos. Let's just say this movie gives uh, new meaning to the phrase "go f yourself." Uh, <laughs> oh dear, boy! There's a spoiler right there. Yeah, yeah. just drop that bomb right there. Uh, yeah, because I mean, you know, the, they always talk about the paradox of being your own grandfather. How about the paradox of being your own grandfather and grandmother? Yeah. <sighs> so. Yeah. Before we go any further, we should say that this is this movie is based on a short story by Robert Heinlein, which is I I would say that's probably why it's so good. Right. <laughs> uh, and the story short story is called all uh, I believe it's called All You Zombies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was that I saw it earlier? Yeah, All You Zombies. So first off, did you guys like this? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, I I just kept thinking over and over that this is the perfect example of the reason why I like doing this podcast is because <laughs> I probably wouldn't have seen that movie and I'm so happy to have seen it. I know. Yeah. How did the, I'm always shocked with these movies that kind of slide in under the radar that I really yeah. haven't heard about that are relatively recent, like since we started the podcast. And yeah. I had, I'm like, why was this not a thing? I should have how, known about how this. How is this not on everybody's radar that yeah. this is how good this is? Oh my yeah. god, this is this is a really well, noir is the first word yeah. that comes to mind, but it is a t- it, I was about to, about to call it a psychological thriller. I mean, there's not a lot of action. There's not a like there's one set of pyro and special effects or whatever, but it's a story, <laughs> yeah. and it's an amazingly mind-bending story. And I really need to get a whiteboard and draw a diagram <laughs> because holy crap! Anyway, we should uh, message uh, Daryl Skeels, uh, tell him not to listen to this podcast because I know he does listen, and because I know he hates almost all time travel stuff or dislikes it because it doesn't hang together tell him to watch this movie i don't think i've seen a time travel movie that is as internally consistent as this and and it doesn't shy away from the whole paradox it's 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 all it's all based on the paradox of well what happens if you went back and killed your own your own you right. know, grandfather it's, it's the city on the edge of tomorrow yeah 12 times deeper Um, it's like talk about things spiraling out of control it's like what what and what's interesting 
Um, I actually kind of took note of this because I was watching the clock. I, I literally immediately watched this right before we started recording. I mean, I was like, turn off the yeah. TV and turn on the recording. Um, and I was watching. It was. It took. It's an hour and a half movie, hour thirty-seven, I think. It took a full hour to set the backdrop. I mean, it was yeah. all. It was all linear for the first hour, and then yeah. it goes. Ugh, <laughs> Yeah, jump, 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 jump. Yeah, yeah, man, it just goes everywhere yeah. from there. Um, so, yeah, if you actually watch it, and if you haven't watched it by now, oh, I come and hurt you <laughs> because you really do need to watch this one. Um, yeah. There, it's 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 kind of like okay, this is interesting. This is interesting. Where are we going with this? This is interesting, and all of a sudden, it's like boom, shit, that's where we're going, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, now when we got to each of these uh, uh, plot twists, were you shocked, or could you kind of were you kind of going? I think this may happen. You know, I, I wasn't convinced it was necessarily going to happen. But well, when I knew we were doing this, I just took a quick look at uh, the Wikipedia page, and then I saw because I saw it was from a Highland novel. I read the overview for the Highland novel, thinking that they, or sorry, it was a short story, thinking that they would have kind of uh, adjusted it a bit and they didn't it's 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 i haven't read it but it certainly sounds from the synopsis like this is almost like a really really loyal adaptation of that story and yeah so uh, and i did that when we first put this on our list to do that so that was maybe two weeks ago so and i watched it this afternoon so it wasn't fresh in my mind, but I remembered the general outline of it, and it didn't ruin it for me at all. Um, but at the same time, I sort of still knew what was coming. So did it take you by surprise, Mike? No, I mean, not exactly. As we got, yeah. you know, it's not like I could definitely foresee, but as we got to the, you know, each little plot twist, I'm kind of going, I think it's going to be, you know, and then it was, you know, the, the going back in time uh, meeting yourself kind of thing. Now, I was a little surprised when it got to the end there, and you know, like I said, you've been warned, spoilers, um, when you find out that, was it, th- all three of these characters are the same person? Yes. Because you had mother, father, and child, yeah. Um, they all ended up being the same one one person, and I'm kind of going, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this. Um, and like I say, when we got to that point, what, when we when we got to the the sex change thing, I'm kind of going, okay, this is certainly interesting. And then when she threw out that line, yeah, I was just told today that I'm not firing blanks. I'm going, okay, <laughs> I'm you know, like I say, I'm trying to see you know where this all is going. Yeah, I, I will admit that I didn't necessarily see it coming. I'm not sure I saw any of them coming. Um, the foreshadowing's all there to lay it out, right? But yeah, if you don't, if you don't pick up on it, yeah, I can see it. Well, yeah, I, I, um, there, there was one where maybe I saw it coming, but the rest were all like, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they said time travel, and there's the one scene where the guy gets his face scorched, and somebody you know helps him, kind of going, okay, I could possibly see that. You know, I, I, I sort of you know guessed at that one, but then like I say, when they really got twisting it towards the end there and you know the he's going back through all these time periods um 
that's when you know. Then I'm kind of going okay. You know, like I, said, I was a little off balance by that by the time I got to the end. So I had missed on the uh, the uh, the second guy being there. Like what when he was all burnt, and the the guy moved the uh, violin case towards him. I thought that was the bomber having sympathy on him, and that he'd circled around and kind of like helped him. You know, well, saved his life, sort of thing. It, well, yeah, it was. <laughs> it sort of was, but it was it was it was the same guy, but from another you know time of another period of the timeline. <sighs> I love the name of this movie too. I mean, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna be up half the night anyway. I got work to do, but that that whole title of predestination is I'm just gonna play it in my head again and again to figure out how many of these moments of predestination were you know in this whole story there was See, i think from what they said i think there's only one thing that happens in the movie that isn't pre predest, uh, predestined because remember he's talking to his boss and he said well and he says something about uh Oh, do, do we have any real choices? And he says, sure, you have a choice. He goes, after you make your last jump, he said, we, the future is unwritten from there. So he makes his last jump, and his decision to shoot himself in the laundromat, I think that's that's the one uh, thing that isn't preordained. Well, not, when he did that, did that stop the bomb yeah, well, that's the whole thing too. Where did this yeah. cycle get started, and where do you get out of it? Where did this time machine come from? Yeah. What is the purpose of all of this? There's a hell of a lot of resources going towards this particular effort. Yeah, I get it's a story to show the fun yeah. of time travel, but um, yeah, there was just a whole bunch of things there. I mean, this was very much, as it turns out, the story of one person. Um, yeah. And there's not a lot of... There's this interaction with this, you know... the hell was it? Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap must have read this story. Um, kind of, you know, going back in time and then having, you know, having to step into these various places, but also having this uh, other person uh, who's kind of, you know, standing on the side that is kind of guiding you and... Uh, orchestrating things a little bit. Now, there's a question right there. Um, who in the hell was that guy, and what was his purpose? Which, which which guy? Robertson. Oh, well, yeah. I think that they set up the the. I think they discovered the time travel thing, and then they set up the department. And I think that the. I kind of think that the department being set up is kind of like a. Uh, um, like that created this paradox, and uh, like so. So this movie and the short story, they're a solution to the whole paradox of, well, uh, you know, what happens if you go back and shot your own grandfather? You would have never been born. Yes, you would have if you were the one that were your, were your own parent. Because this movie isn't a paradox, right? Because that's the whole thing. He goes, I know where I came from. I have a father. I have a mother. It's me, <laughs> right? So he, it's the, it's a way of wrapping up. And he even refers to it at one point: the snake that eats its tail, right? Right. It's that, it's that kind of, it's it's the way to have the paradox of uh, what happens if you go back in time and shoot your own grandfather. Except for, uh, it's a, it's a way to solve that paradox in a logical way. It's like um, 
uh, who's the uh, MC Escher? His drawings of the stairs yeah, that yeah. go up in yeah. circles. It's sure. like that, right? Yeah, except uh, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg uh, uh, question here. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, was this a person that really? I mean, yeah, this is a person that really existed, but uh, he had to go back to father his own self, and oh, now my head is just. Hurting. I know. <laughs> Again, where did this yeah. circle start? Right. And, and do we think but the that, circle ended? But that's just it. Where does any circle start? I it know. doesn't have a start. That's the point. Yeah. There is no start. But uh... <laughs> that, that that smell is my brain just burning brain cells right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now they they threw out this one little tidbit, and I never bothered to look into it, and I was wondering if there was some reason for it. They said they could only travel back in time, they say, 54 years either side of this event or whatever right. it was. That, yes, yeah. Uh, any, and I guess if they had given an explanation, it would have spoiled it, but I don't know. They didn't have to throw it out there either. I was just wondering about that one. Yeah, I wondered, like... Because they said that they were born in 1945, is that correct? I think so. I think that's so. 45. Oh, that's still 90. Uh, yeah. See, I was I was wondering if, um, like, the the time of the meeting, if that was the the extent of the of the. Uh, time travel and if it was like the whole time travel thing was probably somehow tied in well, but it's not yeah no they said the time travel was invented in 81 so yeah, so, that's so do math good. math is hard that's, uh, what's that's 81? 30 what's 30 36 years is that right yeah 36 yeah. years yeah something like that so it's not even well, like times two or anything oh that's yeah. interesting uh, yeah, I'm, they've got a chronology of events in the movie. So it's September 20th, 1945 is when the baby is taken back. Um, and then the last thing here is January 12th, 1993. The bartender, who is also, yeah, whatever, arrives back at his base. Well, okay, this is from the, the uh, story, not the movie. This says it arrives back to uh, his base to think about his life. Uh, let's see, I saw a timeline for the the movie because I wanted to see when yeah here we go 1970 oh good I lord I gotta look this thing over now here uh, yeah brain you know uh, like ow yeah because you know, the last event here they have for the movie timeline is 1970 in Melbourne Australia the fizzle bomber prevents the Flinders Street station train crash I don't even remember that. There's things in here I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was the at the end they were talking about all the lives he saved. Right. Uh, let's see. Nineteen seventy uh, March nineteen seventy five. Uh, Agent Doe kills the Fizzle Bomber, his future self, thus becoming the Fizzle Bomber. Um. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this movie. It, now that we got the the plot, you almost want to go back and watch it again 
And like I say, kind of uh, draw a diagram. It's not as bad as Primer. Primer was one of those movies that, you know, you really had to have a diagram for it. But this one, you still kind of want to go back and just, uh, you know, see some of this stuff and have it try to make a certain amount of sense here. Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch it again. I think I'm going to have to, too, or at least read up on some of the, the Wikipedia or other, you know, synopsis yeah. and try and get the timeline together and stuff because, holy cow. Um, it it kind of is the the type of movie where immediately upon finishing it, you're like, shit, I need to see that again because I have no idea what just happened. There's so right. many, like you say, it. Beca- I think maybe because you had read a synopsis before, you say that things yeah. were foreshadowed in the movie. That's that's true. I can see that here at the end that that was the case. But bit when they were being foreshadowed, I didn't see them. Yeah, the song on the jukebox. Yeah, I caught that. Uh, that was pretty obvious. Yeah, and that was uh, then he he actually one of them actually says something about the chicken and the egg. Uh, they make the a rooster. comment about the yeah yeah yeah. Oh, that's right. The joke about the rooster. That's yeah, right. That which was came it. first, the and, chicken uh, and the egg? The answer is the rooster. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, what else? They talked about the uh, the snake that eats its own tail. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bunch of of. Uh, things where they're just kind of 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 kind of like laying things out in 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 advance yeah well i i caught all of those um you know the first time through i guess maybe what i didn't catch was you know some of the uh oh the nuances of you know the individuals and and that type of thing it and it's it's an interesting way they they shot it too um because certain scenes the first time through and you know from beginning to end essentially start narrow literally from camera angle they start narrow and then as and then they get wider so the first time through you see one person the second time through you see two um and and well mostly two um so that's where some of that foreshadowing really starts to come together um, and which is an, a really cool both storytelling and you know filmmaking technique it's uh, um, it, it's a, again it's the kind of thing when you, you go through and watch it the second time you're going to be much more cognizant of things that you're, you should be looking for well, yeah, you're, the tale's being retold with additional information that, yeah, makes it, uh, draws you in more. And then you, yeah, like you say, you start to see this bigger picture. I was going to say, in a little bit of foreshadowing for our own podcast here, I was reading the trivia, and I didn't notice it. I might not have noticed it if I hadn't read the trivia here, but next, when he starts uh, writing his novel with the typewriter, there is a copy of Stranger in a Strange Land next to the uh, typewriter. Oh, dear. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't <laughs> yes. even notice that. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Now, if we want, yeah, we're just like I say, we're foreshadowing a little bit for our own podcast, there, people. <laughs> uh, take a hint and run with it. Um, but yeah, there was a few nods to the Heinlein in there, and um, but yeah, that one I found kind of interesting. There was some neat stuff in the uh, like, just kind of ethically, I guess. The fact that he actually does, I think he does fall in love with himself. Yeah. Which it like he doesn't want to. I don't think he really wanted to leave. Like I think if if given the option, he would have happily stayed there as a, as a yeah. as a partner for himself, right? Yeah, I think that. And you know, 
you, it, it's interesting too how much deception is involved in this too. I mean, if you are talking to you, who's talking to you? Spoiler. Um, right. Why are you lying? Um, <laughs> I mean, your mind is blown anyway. At some point in this whole loop, you, you know, your mind gets blown. Why would you yeah. not make that as soon as possible? Because if you added, if you, if the, if he added information, then the younger version of himself might have made a different decision, right? Yeah, but it's predestined. Uh, well, I, I, I don't depends, know. <laughs> yeah, for each one, right? Like at each point, is it predestined? Like I think that's kind of what they're they're saying. Like. Well, and then I have to wonder, though, too, when he goes back to meet his female self, and they start have you know and they start having that conversation. He realizes this is the conversation that he had had when he was her. Uh, I mean, don't you think maybe he would have thought about what happened, and or did he just was so caught up in himself he didn't bother to think yeah. that he was going to end up being his own. Uh, father, mother, whatever. So, so one of the risks of time jumping apparently is psychosis and depression and mood swings. I think was on the the uh, yeah. diagnosis. So, is the most sane person in this whole loop the what was it called? Fizzle bomber. I mean, fizzle bomber. He's like the only one who's got all the information. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I, sure that the the is is it the time travel that's doing that or is it just this every time you do this you pick up another bit yeah. of information and drives you and, insane. And, and where does the fizzle bomber uh get the information in order to decide who to bomb, right? Because he's trying to prevent further death. Right. So is he making all these making extra jumps that we don't see between the point where he shoots himself, like the younger version shoots himself and the older version gets shot? Well, it does appear that there are additional jumps too because there are jumps that take place to stash money and clothing and that type yeah. of thing. But those those are not even necessarily made by John or uh, by John, right? Uh, those could be done. Those could be yeah, done by anybody. They, yeah. Those could have been done by anybody just to stash the yep. uh, the necessary equipment. Yep. Or maybe there's some way that they could uh, just send the stuff back without a person to even stash them, right? Yeah, I didn't get that impression, but maybe. No, but but yeah. You don't know. They didn't say that you, yep. they didn't say one way or the other. They yep, didn't they, say they couldn't do that either, right? Nope. Yeah, we don't know. Um, do you think there are other jumpers? They talked about this as as far as you know, like some corporation or something. But well, we know that there's at least one other jumper because uh, Nelson or whatever his name is, uh, Robertson. The uh, Robertson. He jumps and he says, "Oh, I didn't think you jumped anymore." Uh, so there's. At least we know that he has jumped bef- before. Right. So there's uh, one other person who's jumped, at least. Yeah. It if, sort of gives you the impression that he's not the only one, right? It does give that impression, but we never see anybody else. We never yeah. hear and, uh, of anybody I, else. Yeah, I don't think they definitively say that. No, but. it's an impression. That's why I'm yeah. kind of asking the question. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. That was the impression, but... 
Yeah. Well, well, then they had the whole fake agency, which was uh, supposedly going into space, but they were actually trying to weed out time jumpers. And they some of the questions, well, okay, maybe for that time era, it may have been considered acceptable, but some of them was like, you know, were you a virgin? Have you ever been with a man? And she asked him, have you ever been with a man? Um, you know, they were asking some questions that, I don't know. Were they well, just being see, ethical or? No, I, I think that that's another one of the things that I liked about this because, you know, most of the sci-fi, even the stuff we've done in this show is mostly, you know, more current days stuff. Like this was written in 1958. So I think it's really neat because I think what you're seeing there is uh, the kind of morality and social ethics of 1958. uh with kind of uh, some speculation as to where morality will go in the future. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, you, like our Mike's foreshadowing earlier, we are going to be doing Stranger in a Strange Land. Have you guys started to read that? Not yet, no. It's about halfway cra- through. <laughs> the amount of just casual sexism is crazy. Yeah. I, yeah, I have like, no doubt about that because I have to admit, even I, as much as I like Star Trek, have a tough time watching the original series. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. I'm watching. I'm going yeah. back and watching it on Netflix now. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. It's it's uh, it is a product of its time, and you know, if, well, I don't. I could get off into a whole tangent on Star Trek here. I just I will just stop because no. Okay, we're talking about predestination, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's um, it's uh, this is an interesting movie. Now, there's not there's there's really only two pieces of tech of any note. One of which is the time travel device, which is essentially yeah. a, a violin case with a cheap yeah. lock, uh, like a spinner lock, like you'd have on an old briefcase type of thing. And the yeah. other piece of tech that I noticed that stood out um, was these, like, cone of shame type headsets for virtual reality. Oh, yeah. Um, when Those they were testing. Right. Yeah. Other than that, there wasn't, I mean, jukeboxes and guns were the only other technology. Um, there just there just wasn't tech. It, it's not a it's not a high tech story. It's it's certainly centered around one piece of technology, but we have no clue how it works, how it was invented, where it came from. You know, it doesn't even look fun. Yeah. I mean, it's just a violin case. So um, technology is not the center of this story, but it's still an awesome story. I do like the little headrest, headsets, though. Those VR headsets. We need those. I'm, just look, uh, they look like the, the like uh, um, Marvin from um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, oh, sort of, yeah. The little robot thing. Look like his head. Yeah. Or Wally. I, I, you know, I guess for the time it wasn't bad, but yeah, they were kind of large. Um, I, you know, if I got okay. one, I would like it smaller. But for the time. Right. The book was written in 58. The movie's made in 2014. So they could have done anything they wanted to with that. Um, I, you know, the, 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 I, I don't know how much detail. It's not a book. It was a short story. So I can't imagine there was a ton of detail about some of those things. 
um, they did a the the filmmakers decided to ground some of this stuff in those dates. I mean that that might have been their parameters is that they had to they had these dates that were in the short story that they had to work with. So, you know, we're doing scenes that are supposed to be in 1945 and other scenes that are supposed to be in 1973 or whatever. So, you know, they were t- they were trying to to suit those eras. But I I don't know, not having read the short story, I can't imagine there's a ton of detail as far as how things looked or how they worked. So the the filmmakers, you know, had a lot of leeway there to to do what they wanted. What they wanted was fairly decent. I thought it was pretty cool. All the sets did put them in time frames. I mean, you did really feel like you were jumping between decades. Well, you know, and the bar, I think bars have been pretty much the same. Bars never change. No. (laughs) you have a bar, you have a uh, bartender, and you have booze, yeah. So uh, the atmosphere doesn't change a the, lot. The biggest thing that might change is now we have iTunes, you know, jukeboxes, and you can pay with a credit card. You know, other than that, bars haven't changed in, I don't know, 200, 300 years at least. Right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, public houses. Love them. I did notice that uh, I believe it's the doctor that talks to her to tell her that uh, talks to her after she's had the baby. Mm-hmm. I, I never caught this in the movie, and they might not say the name, but in the uh, credits, uh, that doctor's name is Doctor Heinlein. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. You know, the one thing uh, that the. the um freaked me out. It might not be there, but it was distracting me for a while, actually. The actress who played uh, yeah, played Jane, but, you know, John, but, uh, anyway, whatever. Um, looked a hell of a lot like um, Jodie Foster. I was, uh, for a while there, I was having, oh. a, I was like, I gotta look up and see if that's actually Jodie Foster. And it is not, but Every now and then, based on the lighting and the makeup and the the scene that they're in, it's like, man, there's a, there's a resemblance there. I was but, thinking uh, Lindsay Lohan. Ah, yeah, because well, I, I I did the same thing. I thought she looked familiar. Well, as I'm sitting there watching it, you know, first of all, yeah, when she when this person starts telling their story in the bar, I'm going, well, is that a man or is that a woman? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, you you do you are. And you know, even the bartender is kind of questioning. And he had assumed that she was, well, of course, he knew uh, that she was a woman. But you know, at this point, she was actually a man. But you know, I was, and then eventually, I kind of went, oh, okay, I can kind of see where, you know, this is Jane after surgery and hormones and all this other stuff. Eventually, that started to come through. But I thought, uh, what was the, uh, the actress's name? Jane Snook, I think. Yeah, Sarah. Uh, Snook. Sarah, there you go. Sarah, Sarah Snook. Yeah, uh, I think she did a you know a really good job playing like a young lady and then a a man. Um, you know, I thought you know it and you know the transformation from one to the other. I thought was yeah uh, I- uh, impressive. Yeah, and, and I think the actress played three of the faces. The the young. Like college age face, yeah. and then the one in the bar face, and the one who went back in time 
face, you know, so... Right. Um, you know, yeah, that took a lot of makeup and, you know, skill, acting skill. I couldn't do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> like I say, there's not a lot of technology in this one, there's, and there's not a lot of even sci-fi. It's It's not set up in an alternate universe. It's not... You know, I mean, this is like Cleveland, I think they mentioned, um, across five decades, maybe? Um, uh, not even that, about three. Yeah, yeah. 40s, 40s, 40. 60s, 40, well, 50s were in there. I don't think they touched base them, but 40s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. No, they went, they went through five decades. There was touch points well, in there for all of those. Yeah, I guess there was, um, you know, Jane, well, Jane's, uh, boy, yeah, 70, you know, was it 75? Uh, no, 70, he, yes, 75, he went back and shot the Fizzle Bomber, but then he became the Fizzle Bomber. Right, so the Fizzle uh, Bomber goes forward in time. Right. Uh, yeah, they don't say when, what the time frame is exactly. no. Well, that whole 53 years, is that the limit? 45 plus 53 equals 90 around there. That might be, that might be the scope of it. It started in 45, but you put that 53 years. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody's probably written something on the web about this thing because there's a lot to pick apart as far as details and... Well, and did they specify what this was that allowed time, the uh, the time travel, or did they just no, say it was it's a total kind of MacGuffin just advancing the plot? Yeah, they don't say any details about how or why. Um, they don't tell you any of the mechanics or or how the machine works. It's just you just see the violin case. Yeah. Well, see, I'm sitting here wondering now. You know. Well, no, the the other guy was able to travel back because uh, he traveled back to the nursery. Uh, Robertson traveled back to the nursery. Um, I was going to say maybe this whole uh, you know this whole time travel is just this guy's time loop that nobody else could do it, but Robertson did go back. See, this is why my head hurts I when know. you start contemplating this stuff. Because I was going to say, if it wasn't for Robertson going back. I would say this whole, you know, the whole time travel was just this guy's, you know, time life loop or whatever you want to call it. And that there really wasn't time travel per se that anybody could do. It's just that in our universe, in this little space, this guy had his own little time travel loop, but the rest of us wouldn't be able to do it. I don't have answers. <laughs> Well, you know, like I say, you know, we we always kind of want a, an explanation. We always kind of want to work things out so it makes logical sense. And this movie, it, it does and it doesn't. I mean, you can see, yeah, the whole thing is there. You know, you see the whole story, but you know, to try and rectify it with what we know as reality, yeah, then yeah. our brain starts smoking. Well, we what? we do have this this assumption that time is linear, which is a Western assumption that a lot of other cultures on the planet don't necessarily share. There's many cultures that think time is a loop. And I don't know the details, but somewhere I thought I read quantum physics is starting to go to that point where they're thinking that 
you know, time is kind of a circular thing that when you get into the weird mathematics that happen at that level, you know, things don't just quite always go in a straight line. So, yeah, this movie plays right into that. Yeah. I don't know. Look, I don't, I, I, it's one of those things that I don't think there's a... There is a solution to. You know, this is one of those um, movies that isn't. You're right. It's not meant to be solved. It's meant to blow yeah. your mind. Yeah. Um, it's meant to get you to think. It's meant to have you know to just wrestle with the whole time traveling paradox, which you know Daryl Skeels would be a great example of going. You can't do all of that, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because when you do all of that, your mind, this kind of stuff happens. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's but why this is what it like this is one of the ones that I think you'd have a hard time picking it apart because it 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 follows its own rules. Yes. It just it doesn't make sense. No. But Yes, no. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, and they were smart enough not to put too many rules out there. They just said uh time travel occurred. They didn't tell you what, which was probably uh, was a smart thing to do. Um they, you know, it's all circular within this guy's life, apparently. Yeah, but I, I do kind of want to sit down and do the math. Maybe it was uh, that that time frame was just this one guy's whole life. Because, well, they said if there was fifty-four years, though, that would make he would live to one hundred and eight, or not? No, I don't know. Yeah, or maybe he only lived to fifty-four because he was, you know, born in forty-five, well, and that's the end of it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Except they said it was like 54, 53, somewhere like that, years from zero point, which was 81, which puts you in the 30s and also in the, you know, 20-teen-ish, you know, 2020s. Anyway, so, yeah. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> I do think it's really cool because he wrote this in '58. Yeah. So most of it, most of the the story in the story that he wrote took place in his future, but now because it's so long ago, most of this, well, the whole thing takes yep. place in our past. Yep. I I think that's really cool too. And that is the one thing the filmmakers had that you know the writer didn't is yeah, yeah this is the past so when you have to do the, a scene of the 70s you know what the 70s yeah. look like. They knew the fashions and yep. the cars and all that stuff which yeah. Well now I'm just sitting here thinking about I'd like to run this guy's DNA because if there was a <laughs> family tree that does not branch it's this guy's. He's a no. twig. <laughs> uh so where? Oh God! Don't go there, Mike. Jesus! Now his his DNA. If it's a, a a mesh of his mother and a father, where in the hell did that come from? And oh my God! Ah! See, yeah, I was just well, thinking that I wasn't I hadn't quite verbalized it yet. But yeah, where did his DNA come from within this time loop? That would be that would be possible. Yeah, sure. Anything's possible. It's, well, when you're making up your own universe, you know, um, <laughs> and like I said, they were careful enough not to throw out too many things to, you know, that would cause flaws. They just, if you just roll with it and accept it, um, you know, it does give you a chance to think, but just don't poke the science well, too hard. But there, this but if, one, if, if you had somebody who who had the medical condition that she had, which I don't think is a fictional 
condition, right? That's it's it, it is possible. There are people to be that born. are with both. Yeah. Both. Yes. So so you could extract viable sperm and a viable egg and fertilize one with the other. So yeah, I like I, I don't think that part is science fiction, right? I think that is right. technically possible. Now, I would imagine you would be facing all sorts of genetic problems, but if yeah, I think it'd be doable. Yeah, the f- yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. the question bag, you know, yeah, he's his own whatever. Uh yeah, where did his where did his DNA uh, come this is almost uh, once it's almost a god story it's like sort a of. dna bubble it's, yeah. it's not a branch it's a bubble it's its own little well, self-contained yeah it's bit of it's DNA. the snakey it's the snake eating itself right it's like right. you know it's a, it's a circle well where's the start there isn't a start right right but it had to come if, from somewhere ah, well, yeah, it's yeah, killing me yeah it it came from the from the uh, from the egg yeah <laughs> right. this this was a story of that you know the, the whole joke literally the one that was even mentioned in this movie you know which came first the chicken or the egg that is probably where Heinlein just said I'm going to take that concept and blow people's minds with it you know I'm just Uh, going to write a story that has people going I don't know which came first the chicken or the egg matter of fact I don't know if a chicken or an egg is a piece of poultry or or you know a fish Um, I would I would bet that this this came about because of People saying, "Well, uh, uh, time travel is clearly impossible because of these paradoxes." And I bet this was this probably started out as a thought experiment. Like, well, is there any way that you could do this, where you where you could kill your own grandfather, and it wouldn't affect the time that 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 would be possible to do? And he, this is what he did: was he figured out a way where, yeah, if you were your own parents. You could kill your own grandfather if he had already conceived you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, you know, this yeah. Is, you know, this wasn't something that I'm sure Heinlein thought of because I don't remember, you know, when the concept of DNA first, you know, appeared. But even I think in 58, they were still mulling it over. Uh, oh, I think it was DNA. It's, yeah. It's I older think so. than we think. Right, yeah. So I'm thinking it's before that, but you know, the at the level that we're at now, where you can test DNA, that I would just it would, yeah. right. But I'm just thinking now, you know, if you were to test, because I've seen on TV, you know, send in a sample of your DNA and we'll tell you your age. <laughs> What's it going to come back, uh, sir? The, the ans- nothing. The Ancestry.com profile for this person. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, most people have a tree. He is a lie. Oh. This is pro- this is another interesting thing. Okay, James Watson and Francis Crick uh, suggested uh, so they suggested the double helix bottle of DNA in 1953. 53. So this was very current close. Yeah. Technology uh, for him. Yeah, this would have been in the news. He, and definitely uh, okay. right you know, you know, front page news for yeah, a guy who's writing science fiction. No, think so? For sure. Yeah. Totally. There would have been one article. I mean, it's like the it's like. Um, oh no uh, no no! When they, no. they they won the they won the Nobel Prize so, for that. That's, so that was a big discovery. Who won the Nobel Prize this year? About what? 
I mean, yeah, you get the one-page well, article, but it's decades before that stuff starts becoming vernacular. Okay. Well, the the guys who discovered gravity waves this year, they're going to win the Nobel Prize right. like years from now. But it still made big news this year, right? Right. So what do you know about gravity? Right. No, I will, gi- I will grant that Heinlein was a science fiction writer, and he probably right. dug deep into this stuff. I that, get that's, that. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like the right. average person on the street, oh, DNA, no. what's that? No, yeah. but this guy, totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I will get that I'm, because, yeah, because I don't think people on the street in 1958, they, they probably heard about this theory about something that – I don't know what it's something we got to learn in science class now, maybe. So yeah, I I bet you that it's and plus they just didn't get bombarded with information like we do. You got your newspaper once a day. You got your your newscast on the radio. You got your your one or maybe two newscasts on TV. And if you happen to miss it that day, that was it. It was gone. There was no internet to look this stuff up. Um, magazines and, and, were doing, and they knew about genes. They knew they'd known about genes for about fifty years at that point, right? But they just didn't know how that information was passed on. They didn't know the structure, right? So, and I, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Heinlein uh, got science journals. He may have went down to the nerd bar and hung out with all the scientists down there, bought him a drink, and you know, talked to whatever. Uh, the nerd bar. Where's yeah. the nerd bar? Can I go to the nerd bar? <laughs> We need a hey, nerd it's a, bar. It's a nerdtacular. Hey, actually, it's in uh, Omaha. It's a place called Spielbound. It was awesome. Board they probably cafe. make sci- scientifically correct drinks or something. <laughs> probably. There, uh, yeah. No, th- uh, this is uh, – it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that as I was watching the movie because uh, I didn't know, basically. I, I did catch that it was written by Robert Heinlein. Um, but I didn't know what the date that it was written. Um, so putting this movie in context is really interesting. You know, it really becomes... I mean, I, there really truly was a golden age of science fiction back in the 50s, and we just haven't seen some of the stuff that they were playing with back then, you know. Um. Well, because about that time, this was all... Um, you know, you look at the cars from that time. You look at a lot of the products from that time, and they were uh, the, for a I don't know the period, but for a, about that time frame, uh, science was going to be the savior of everything. I mean, you look at the cars; they had fins on it, which looked like you know to make them look like rockets. A lot of the things was kind of a lot of products are sort of science fiction themed. Uh, so you know, th- and you know, chemistry, you know, modern li- or you know, improving life through chemistry or something like that. Right. Um, so that was, you know, the heyday because it was all, you know, and they came up with these wonderful ideas. Hey, we'll put asbestos everywhere because, you know, it's wonderful stuff until we figured out you breathe it and die. Um, but, you know, they did all this kind of stuff because, you know, they were just so in love with the idea of science and everything. And I think that's why you did have that golden age of science fiction then because it was on everyone's mind. And so you have these people, well, you know, let's look at the stuff that we're coming up with now that may happen in the future. And let's write some books, and then the public kind of gobbles it up because, hey, you know, this is what life is going to be like. So it was, I think, for science fiction, uh, kind of a, a magical time. It had gone from the, the pulps, because science fiction has been around for years, but um, decades even. But uh, it was when, you know, the public kind of latched onto it, it became something other than a, a dime store novel, I think, was when it kind of came into its own. Yeah. And, and, I think some of those um, writers from that time period, you know, there are some just classic 
um, well, for lack of a better term, we'll call them tropes um, for, of science fiction. Time travel being one of them, and you know, space travel being another, and aliens and all that kind of stuff um, is, you know, that's just the stuff of science fiction, and that 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 was kind of set back in the 50s so you know we have a podcast because uh, in the 50s it was decided that science fiction was going to cover these types of topics um, it's expanded since then and it's you know changed and morphed since then but you know those are kind of still the things we talk about when we talk about science fiction so yeah it's yeah. definitely in a, a critical time for science fiction um, and, and a lot of the writers from that time period are just classics um Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, Robert Heinlein, all those folks were from that kind of time frame. Uh, right. Philip K. Dick, yep. you know, who's given us uh, um, oh, many, stu- many movies. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm blanking on the Harrison Ford one. Blade Runner, Blade Runner. And, you know, and all those others. He's, you know, I think him and, it would be interesting to see which author has spawned the most uh, science fiction Movies, because I think Dick, uh, Philip K. Dick has done a lot, but I think Heinlein, you know, with this one and some others, you know, uh, except that god awful Starship Troopers. Um, well, again, the book was good. The same person book, who yeah. wrote Starship Troopers yeah. wrote the material for this movie. This movie is excellent. The movie of Starship Troopers is the worst piece of crap I've ever seen in my life. Um, okay, tell us how you really feel. How Julie. do I really uh, feel? I'm putting an explicit yeah. tag on this week's episode. Anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, so it's, I don't think, you know, um, the, the Heinlein as a writer, I mean, you can, you can disagree with him. I mean, I get that. You can disagree with him. But, you know, he was a fairly decent writer who had some ideas that he was trying to convey using science fiction and did a decent job right. of that. Yeah, it doesn't show up so much here. I think when we get to Stranger in a Strange Land, that's going to be a real interesting discussion. Oh, yeah. Because we've talked Heinle- about Heinlein before, and we did Starship Troopers and some of those others. But I think when you get to Stranger in a Strange Land, that's there's a whole bunch of uh, topics there to talk on uh, science yeah. fiction and social. Um, and it's difficult think- to really judge people like that because he was a product of his own time too. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, that just uh, the way that he viewed uh, women and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Like certainly that is archaic today but you know you, you can't say that he was out of place in his own time right nope. yeah. right yeah and, well, and like I say, had a wide audience you know yeah and, and like I say it doesn't come through in here and I think we'll hit on it more yeah, you know in one frame he was um, a product of his time but he also had some ideas that still haven't caught on yet um, well I'll just let that one hang there for a while because it shows up more in uh, some of his later works, uh, you know, Stranger in the Strange Land, just keeps getting more interesting from there. But um, yeah, he just took what he saw at the time and he wrote about it and made it, you know, something that ordinary people. Because this is a movie that you don't need to be a science fiction nerd uh, oh. to like. It's you know, not a lot of tech in it. Pretty simple, straightforward. It's a sort of a love story. Okay, it's kind of a self love story. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's something the ordinary person can watch and not go, "Oh no, science fiction." Uh, yeah, it does have time travel, but once you get past that, it is an interesting uh, character this, study. This... And, and as confusing as the story is, that the, the time looping, it's it's straightforward in that it is. You don't. You can see what's happening. You don't. You might 
it might be lost on you like how, what order things are in and everything but you it, the the gen, you don't get lost in the 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 general points of the story no and and this is the type of movie that you know obviously we're science fiction fans so it falls into that genre but it would also fall into like mystery people who who like mysteries might like this one Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't think I'd go so far to say folks who like romances would like this. Yeah, and it's certainly uh, not an action adventure f- movie. No, but it, um, it, it the mystery side of it. I think you know, if folks like mysteries. This one kind of plays out like a private detective show for a long time. Well, and this one, you know, because I mentioned the movie Primer, which is more or less the same plot. Um, that one, you really, you're, you're. I think my uh, ears did start to bleed by the time we were done with that one. It's it's more or less the same thing. This one though, uh, predestination is more straightforward. It's not as brain uh, you know convulsing as Primer is. Because um, Primer, I mean, there's a website out there somewhere devoted to explaining the movie. Yeah. You don't need a, a website to explain this movie. No. It's pretty straightforward, but it still makes your head. Yeah, you don't need this movie explained to you. You just need to see the details in black and white and on a timeline, you know, and connect the dots type of thing. It's not that it needs to be explained. Um, No. It's just that you kind of went on this wobbly path that it would be really helpful if you could see it all laid out in a straight line. So, yeah, good show. Um, Well, do we have – we've pretty much – We've talked about all the tech. I'll tell you what, the um, tech I don't want, I don't want the time machine. <laughs> I don't oh, want to make those that. decisions. No, no, no. I don't want to make those decisions. Oh. So i got to shoot myself or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. What about what about you, Mike? Would you take the time machine? No, I don't know. Because uh, I've made jokes at school. I wish I could go back in time when they're designing the building. Hey, let's add about 10 feet on because, you, know, you know, at this current time, we could use those extra 10 feet. There would be things like that. And I wonder how adding 10 feet to a building would screw up the timeline of human history. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it would prevent somebody from diving into uh, – that extra space would keep somebody from diving into a piece of equipment, you know, uh, suffering a head trauma that, you know, changed their life, which altered – I don't know. The wings of a Not- butterfly. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Uh, you can check us out at sci com, where there's some cool space junk available for purchase. Uh, pop into the forums there and take part in the conversation, or you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at Sci-Fi and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Mike, where can people find you? Yeah, if you want to hear me on another podcast for some strange reason, you can come over and listen to me on the Geekiest Show Ever at geekiestshowever.com. And if you want to uh, see what I say on Twitter, I can be found at DSC Chipman. And anything else I do, you can find out at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And Julie, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U. E-H-L links to the other blogs, podcasts and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel and hi Mark oh yes how's he doing? I don't know well people can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire that's S-Y-E-R 
And next week we'll be covering Mars Attacks. Yay! <laughs> uh, the synopsis for that is the Earth is invaded by Martians with unbeatable weapons and a cruel sense of humor. That's it for this show. We'll see you in the future. Quickly, 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 Quickly,